Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Modern Australian Underground Podcast. I am your host, Christina Papp, and on the show today, I'll be talking to Zane, who plays in the Melbourne band Serial Killer, Vertigo, and more recently joining The Living Eyes from Geelong. His older brother, Billy, also plays in all three of these bands, as well as Oz Mutants and Smarts, while running one of Melbourne's coolest garage and punk labels, Antifade Records. In addition to Billy and Zane, I'll also be talking to their father, Grant, who is one of the founding members of the popular punk rock band From Geelong, Board, formed in the late 80s and disbanding by the end of around 93. I wanted to fill in the timeline from the last 30 years or so of the Gardner family and the influence Grant's time in Board might have had on his kids, not only being in bands but in the capacity of music being a part of their everyday lives. Also from playing in The Living Eyes, Oz Mutants and then doing Antifade Label, the sound Billy has helped grow in Geelong with his peers and then bringing that to Melbourne the impact it had and changes it made in the Melbourne music scene. It turned out to be a really lovely conversation, especially seeing how much Billy and Zane respected Grant and how proud Grant was of them. Just a small side note, I'm still doing my best to work out the recording hardware and didn't have enough mics for this interview, so the sound isn't as pristine as I'd like to give to you, but I hope you enjoy the conversation. This is the Modern Australian Underground.
How are you going? Good. My name's Grant. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't tell you about any music stories, but I have been involved in a, there's a book being written on ah, cool. board and it's pretty thorough and huge mm. and we've had to, um, been forced to uh, not relive but go through a heap of things that had nearly been erased from the mind. So it's really all been very through. interesting. And, um, yeah, the um, the woman is doing a great job mm. and people from all over the world getting... When's that due to come out? It's nearly getting to being made into a book. Like it's nearly yeah. all pages taken up. Uh, yeah. um, all the photos have been laid out. So That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think it's going it, to... It's definitely going to come out this year sometime, like probably probably in the, hopefully the next five or six months. She's doing a great job. She gave your mind a thorough scraping and you had oh, to dig through all those drunken well, memories. Yeah, well, we've had to, um, like as you can imagine, it's a long time ago, but um, talking, to, ringing up people and going, how did this go? Is this what it, how the way it went? And yeah. slowly we uh, pieced it together. But, yeah, there's a lot of things that we never thought would have been important that we're now talking about. So <laughs> yeah. we sort of got to try and do our homework a bit. I feel one of the cool things about those sorts of books is like when you ring people up and you ask what happened, everyone has a different memory of like the same night, you know, like everyone just because it was like so long ago, you've just like built these different memories. So it's interesting reading different accounts of the same thing. Was that a book that got started after your mate died last year? Yeah. 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 Like it's it's a bit of a fundraiser for him, but that's not the only reason it's getting done it's yeah. sort of like uh yeah it probably would have happened even if dave hadn't have got sick at some stage it's been talked about for i've heard it the issue raised quite a few times over the years yeah but um yeah. i feel like it's a necessary part of uh geelong history well it's uh this is something that we're all starting to talk about like uh it was pretty unique times like yeah. we're going through pretty before mm. we went through before covid a period you know times are going great in in this state but um yeah Geelong and Melbourne were just as, yeah, Geelong was. Had a great a, scene. It was a massive scene. Yeah. It was just like a heap of people that were just, they were full on. They were the rock and roll army. They really were just normal people that just got involved for a number of years and it just, we all sort of talked to some of these people you haven't seen for years and go, whoa, that was a bloody wild time it was. It was great. Credit to Geelong. Am I right in saying that you're only part of board for the first two years? No. Okay. We we actually, I'm not 100% sure. I was looking at your little time frame thing on um, yeah, the golden yeah. years sort of thing. Yeah. But I can't even remember exactly when, like I'm going through this in the book at the moment. We we're actually, the rest of us in the band are, are putting in our recollections of it. Yeah, and yeah. Yeah, we've, uh, I don't know exactly when Board's first gig was, but we had, um, we had a, a three-piece that was, just great fun for like Dave and the drummer Buzz and myself hmm. for probably about four or five years, and right. that sort of was the background of all board. bands. Yeah, but also like we, I was actually only yesterday I was writing about this uh, how we did all these covers and and originals, sort of like fifty fifty. But we just did all these great covers, and hmm. later on they came in really handy, and it was just like we paid, played this massive <laughs> New Year's gig in Torquay one year in Bells. There was a really impromptu thing that we sort of thought there might be about 500 people there because right. our mates sort of organised and started selling tickets, and then we rolled up there at about 9.30 ready to go. Like we'd only 
talked about it about four or five days earlier and they went and printed a heap of tickets and sold them and then we we roll up to this joint and there's probably about 5,000 people and it's going nuts. They've got a great stage, massive PA and we had to play about four times. Yeah. Like there was one other band, one other local band that was supporting us and uh, I think they played like once for about half an hour and said, that's it, we don't know any more <laughs> songs. And, yeah, we got up on stage and we couldn't sort of get off. We'd finally get off for about ten minutes and then get back up and we did about four sessions and just on But all those old covers, that was really good. I feel like especially around <laughs> New Year's everyone's just blasted and they all want to hear the classics. But they were, know? we did, we had a, <laughs> yeah. uh, we had a high standard for covers. Yeah. There was, uh, yeah, it was, it was all good stuff, plenty of great old songs to, to um, cover and, yeah, we did them good. It's pretty easy. I saw you guys case. did like a, color, a Coloured Balls cover yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Like the first time it got covered yeah, or something in Great, great. Yeah. We had a little bit to do with Blowy Lloyd actually and followed him. I was actually going through this book. Like, did you go out to Sunbury and yeah, 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 we did. No, not the festival. Oh, right. No, yeah. no. It was a bit. <laughs> no, he yeah. came into the studio and, yeah. and helped us with some recording. It was pretty funny because he was deaf as opposed to yeah. his life in rock and roll. But yeah, he was a dude. It was yeah. just great to uh, come across him. But when I was like 12, we had two lots of cousins in Melbourne. We had the Bishops and the Pals and both those families were just so massive into rock and roll, but particularly the Bishops, like I think my parents sometimes sit back and go, what happened to you? Like we said, we tried. <laughs> but, yeah, I was getting brain rushed real early on and um, whenever I'd go up to the Bishops, Lobby Lloyd would be playing or Sabbath yeah. or um, Skyhooks. Skyhooks yeah. were huge in, yeah. uh, in this in Victoria and Australia for a period and they were wild. Like I think just about every song was banned from, from being played on the air with Sky. It was like they, I suppose, maybe people might look on them, look back on them these days and go, they were fairly mainstream. But all that stuff massively influenced me and uh, yeah. you don't really realise when you're a kid but that's yeah. what happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember I saw Board but I think I went to some fest in Geelong in like 2009 and board oh, yeah, played at like the like bar room. Yeah, yeah, that, that would have so been. I couldn't find. I, I, I wouldn't couldn't have been, remember what it was. Yeah, I wouldn't have been in board then. Yeah, we. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. So there was a point where like board started playing again. You didn't join in. I was. I actually. I haven't really talked about this out loud too much, but no. um, if you don't want yeah. to, that's... <laughs> no, no, I'm happy to. But you know, we had a. I'm pretty sure Billy might have actually been in his mum's stomach when we were still playing like just just you know she was just pregnant and I was just like not because um that was a stage in life we were coming to that I had to get out but yeah I was I'd had enough it's pretty funny I did actually discuss with someone a while back in place in the band also he said to me mate you timed your exit perfectly like bands are They've got, you know, yeah. like, um, yeah, we had our, we, we had great times, but once it gets bigger and bigger and wilder and it does, it, it's something that's, it's a, it's an animal that gets, yeah, it, uh, you know, like it gets going of itself. It's like a cyclone and, uh, it's like you come to like a crossroads. Well, it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to step off this cyclone yeah. sort of thing. And yeah, there was things happening. There was, I had a couple of really close friends that were just, so over me and going, what is the matter with you? And I'm yeah. going, no, no, we've, I've had sort of 10 years of great rock and roll. And yeah. It, it was pretty full on. Like, um, yeah, I was fortunate enough to um, stop working at, 
like not you know like I in board we had a Sydney period and we would go to board, uh, to Sydney you know really regularly yeah. like um, sometimes every three months for usually about five or six days and yeah. like that five or six days away in Sydney means probably about two weeks of not really doing too much from the time you go <laughs> yeah, up and you come yeah. back and it was yeah we had a we went pretty hard in Sydney the the, the old <laughs> Cosmopolitan Inn days, <laughs> if anyone's heard of them from the old days, the Cosmopolitan Inn was just this institution in Sydney and you'd go and play and then come back at like two in the morning and there'd be all these other bands coming back and going up and down in the lift. It's just great. It's a, it was a really good time. Sounds like um, a good time. Unfortunately, that's all gone. But, yeah, Sydney was great in the old days. We've got to hopefully we never in Melbourne uh, let that happen to this joint because uh, yeah. they had so many great venues. Oh, when yeah. we actually started playing there, they were sort of with every time we'd go up, there'd be one of them would be gone that was a great venue previously. So it happened swiftly. But yeah, it, it's scary. Yeah. yeah. That, I've seen uh, it happen to other cities as well. Yeah. It just destroys a music scene because yeah. there's just nothing left, yeah. nowhere to play, you yep. know. Um, so are you saying that um, Billy is the reason why <laughs> you quit Ford? No, no, it was just I'd had enough. <laughs> like I was yeah. sort of a, yeah, I'm probably uh, just completely different circumstances these no, days. Totally. But we weren't, you know, it was just a real, just even playing, like if we played, it was big. Mm. And it's not much different to these guys except they've had a bit of a, I don't know, a stop and and uh, take a big breath. You know, like I, I was actually, I worked most of the time, like I said before, I, can, I could get time off, but I I was working to try and sort of pay out, like, you know, like yeah. I, I, I work as a rigger, so it's it's fairly physical work. Have you done that you, the whole time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I enjoy it, but mm. it's, a, it's a workout and you've mm. got to have your head about you if you've got anything to do with um, Yeah, you can't be hungover doing that sort yeah, of Yeah, and yeah, yeah, it was, uh, they didn't overlap too well. And um, yeah, mm. I, I loved the whole time, like I could talk about this in the book, like I would never have envisaged me playing a rock and roll band. Like I got up to, you know, I got to about 19 and had a couple of, not too much, but little periods of time mucking around with the guitar, but nothing too serious. And yeah. then finally, we get going in, in our first band, White Noise, and uh, it was just so much fun. And, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just blessed that I had not just the you opportunity. but Yeah, just like it wouldn't happen in my life normally, yeah. but it did, and I'm, it's one of the highlights. I think it's a cool thing that you can like, you can do that and then you hit a point where you're like, all right, that's it, and you can look back on it fondly, but you don't feel like, like you're like, that was the time for me and you don't feel like you're you're missing out or because there are so many people that just don't want to let go of that party. They don't know when to like start their actual lives. Not saying that like rocking isn't mm, your actual yeah. life, but it's just like the way that you've like cut it off and you're like look back on it is like kind of nice, you Oops. know. I, I really thought that yeah. I would have continued to play and I sort of got together a few friends that I knew from those days and we jammed and I just never got hooked into anything. And I'm, I must also say, this is a bit of a joke in the band days, but I've always been a pretty serious surfer in my life. Oh, yeah. So I was catching up on that and then for a few years and Billy was born and then yeah. I just started. I, I'm, I was a pretty happy dad. As a father, like I tell you, both, both of the kids when they were about, 
sort of very young. Yeah. I'd be walking around, cut, just cuddling <laughs> them and rock and just, you know, just listening to stuff like Velvet Underground and the Kinks, but they are absolutely brainwashed. <laughs> but yeah, they are. Yeah, well, I was really happy to, righto. I'm not yeah. got the bass around. You're not telling them that that song's yeah. talking about heroin and like the Velvet Underground lyrics yeah. and stuff. Though when well, they're a kid, they, they can decipher all that. You know, they've got the brains. I, was, I actually, when I finished school, I sort of managed to stay stay at arm's length from situations that parents were sort of trying to push me into, which was fair enough. Mm. You know, like that's what parents do, and. Um, mm. I think I had a couple of cracks at trying to do a journalism course and every year I'd have about a week out at Deakin and then go, nah, I'll defer this. That was about two years and, and was able to laugh my parents and go, yeah, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's other irons in the fire. And yeah. So finally my mother said, um, like, I, I, we were planning a bigger trip. Like, we'd had a few little little trips, like sort of four, four months sort of trips and we are planning this big trip and... My mum said to me, oh, yeah, so another trip, so, you know, what's the plan? I said, oh, we're, we're going to be working, you know, like we'll get work. There's no work around here and we'll be able to get work up there and, you know, <laughs> mum, don't worry, I'm, I'm very onto it and, you know, I really want to work. <laughs> She's going, I tell you what, I, I do know this lady and um, she might be able to give you a job. I'm not sure. There's not much chance but um, how about if you agree with me to give it a shot, if you don't get the job, you can go with our blessing. Yep, no worries, Mum. So within half an hour of going out there and I was just as, trying to be as so disinterested as I could possibly be yeah. and show that, no, I'm not into this. But Mrs Green, I remember uh, Mrs Green rung Mum and said, he's perfect, we love him. <laughs> so I was pretty mortified. Oh, no, going to work at Kmart. <laughs> so, yeah, about three days later I... Like had to go and get a collar and tie and shiny shoes and punsty pants. <laughs> go out there, get me no tag issue. Really different. Right? Yeah, and then um, then I met this other dude named Dave Thomas, and yeah, straight away we um, there was light at the end of the tunnel. But we hit it off really quick, and yeah, he he had he wasn't a musician then, but he he was from a different background. But he um, I started putting him onto all my records. I was only probably about six months older than him, but I just had heaps of records from Back to the Cousins, you know, influencing <laughs> me years earlier. So I started lending him records like, I don't know, Saints and Joy Division and stuff like that and um, he just started getting right into it. And uh, before long we, uh, well, we, we were, it was just records for about, there was actually a brushes just down in, in, the, in the same shopping centre and I knew a guy in there, Metro, and um, so we could get, we could order records and get them at cost. So we were just buying all these records and Dave yeah. was sort of getting recommendations off me and before long he uh, went and bought a bass and that's what started it. And uh, what's pretty funny is that, um, you know, like the kids have actually raised some taboo conversations around the tea table, like my boys with mm. my mum and dad. Like we used to, we, <laughs> we sort of still do it except the boys are now living in Melbourne but we'd, alternately have a meal every Monday with the oldies. Yeah. And, you know, like as they got older, they kept on bringing these topics out of the bag <laughs> that had had been dead and buried and never would be discussed. Yeah. And they were discussing them like, hey, hey, Nan, you know, do you realise Dad played in 
Like, what do you think of him playing in board? Did you, you know, what did you think about it? I'm nearly crawling under <laughs> the table. But, yeah, there was, there was a bit opinion. of talk about it, yeah, and um, they reluctantly sort of started sort of answering the boy's question. We sort of joked about it later on, like, mum sort of thought she scammed me by getting me a job <laughs> yeah. and she did scam me, but... It actually led into something Isn't that, that crazy? Um, they were going, how did this happen? Well, mum, it happened because of you. Yeah. So, yeah. She thought she was getting you on the straight yeah. and narrow. Yeah, but didn't. Well, what about yeah. the, how did Dave come to teach them the bass, the surf trip? Oh, yeah, well, no, well, he, he bought a bass and then um, I actually was planning on going away and told him that I wasn't going to be at mm. Kmart for much longer. And, yeah, we went out, went out to his bungalow and... Had a few, like a little bit of the 12-bar blues sort of trying to get the fingers going and the, <laughs> the scale and um, it didn't seem to be too hard and did that a few times and then finally the day came when I left Kmart and, and said to him, well, I'll, I'm going away for about six months but um, I'll be back, you know. I, I don't know what's going to happen. And he said, well, I've, I've been thinking about it too and uh, you go away. I'll get a, I'm getting a guitar like in days. I've already been looking. Mm-hmm. When you come back in six months' time, I'll be able to play the guitar. You can get the bass going and we'll have a jam and who knows, we might get a band going. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened, <laughs> which was fairly <laughs> fanciful, but it really did happen. And Where'd you go? Great. I just went up. Up the stayed coast. Stayed at Burley. Stayed <laughs> yeah. at Burley for a while. Stayed oh, yeah, at went Noosa. Surfing, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Noosa, great. of course. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question that has been sent in <laughs> to ask you guys. Sent in by who? <laughs> Jake. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, speaking of surfing, Jake said that your name on the Negative Wave LP was Grant, I'd rather be surfing Gardner. And then Zane's nickname, christened by Rich Stanley, is Zane, I'd rather be rocking Gardner. So yeah. then he was like, Billy, what would you rather be doing? I have no idea. <laughs> I used to be I used to be Billy, I'd rather be Zane Gardner. Fair <laughs> <laughs> enough, that's a good answer. I don't know where that came from, but hell yeah. They started surfing. You guys started surfing. Yeah, they were coming oh, along. Yes. Uh, yeah. Jake is the same beach he was at. We just kept smashed for like half an hour. Yeah, really. I couldn't even get out You're the back. Dad would just be laughing at us, he'd be trying to paddle out the waves. It's <laughs> like slamming your face. You're like caught in a rip and he's just like, Good one guys. <laughs> <laughs> we had a crack a couple times, but Never took off. You're like proud of them for the music, but disappointed in them for the surfing. <laughs> no, no. I think I think you need to ask. All right, I'll uh, put it to you, Bill. In case you don't know, Billy came to me when he was about fourteen, I suppose. He also used to play footy and cricket. Not huge, mm. but um, yeah, he was never any good. Yeah, Shelby going all right. No, you were a pretty good footballer. <laughs> but yeah, they were going all right with that. And then one day, he actually said, "Dad." I need to have a talk with you. I went, what? (laughs) What are we going to talk about? We went to another room, went upstairs, and he said, I want to give up sport. Mm. I said, what? I was chuckling away going, what do you want to give up sport for? I want to play music. And he was looking me right in the eye, and I was sort of chuckling back at him, and he said, come off it. Come on, Dad. I've seen you when you talk about rock and roll and your eyes just sparkle. <laughs> I don't remember this What's wrong with it at all? This is true. This is the absolute truth. And then, he, and then he said to me after that little bit, come on, Dad, he goes, well, if you had your life again, what would you do? Mm. If In music, what would you do again if you, if you had another chance? Like you started pretty late and I said, mate, I'd start, at the, I'd start with the drums, then I'd get a bass, I'd 
become competent with the drums, mm. then become professional on the bass and then start playing the guitar. Mm. And so straight away said, right, book me, let's get a drum teacher. for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't even visit other leading job sites so start looking in the right place with linkedin you can hire professionals like a professional post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today And he actually, I think he might have. I don't yeah, know. Had, was in grade six. And yeah, you had you had a kit though, didn't we? Didn't we? Yeah, Sally, my auntie gave me a kit. Yeah, that's right. So she was started, very supportive. Yes, started doing the drum lessons, and um, he was very serious <laughs> and you know very diligent. And I did drum lessons for a bit in grade six, and then gave it up. And kind of didn't do music for like year seven, and then kind of got back into it in year eight. Is it because you feel like just drumming isn't like? And kind of do it with, well, I didn't have any other friends that played music at the time. Mm. And then when I got to high, oh, there was one kid in my primary school, actually. We played one show together as a two-piece called, and the band was called Volume. <laughs> <laughs> That's sick. Yeah. Who was the kid? Steven Spiros. But yeah, then kind of came back to it in that year eight when I went to high school and met some of the kids like Mitch and Dale who played in Living Eyes and stuff. Did it just seem like a normal thing for you coming from a house where like, you knew uh, your dad had been in yeah, a band. That was a huge factor, but I think the biggest uh, the biggest thing was just going to Geelong High and meeting like Fran Clouds guys right. that were like a couple years older and doing the same sort of thing. That was a huge influence. Was your first instrument drums? No. I was actually thinking about this the other day. 
I remember the first, because I first learned bass, and I remember I was like, have some Billy to play cricket. <laughs> and he was like, I'll play cricket with you. But first, I'm going to teach you some bass. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then he did. He taught me the witch by the Sonics. Oh, sick. And then <laughs> I assume we went and bowled some overs. And <laughs> but, yeah. Hit some sixes. That was the first yeah. time. It yeah. was funny, Zane. Me and Zane were pretty different at the beginning. I sort of remember the point where Zane started taking an interest in music and kind of what I was doing, but it definitely wasn't for the first few years. Maybe around the time when you're like 14 or something and I would have been mm. like... Well, you guys have a bit of an age gap. Maybe we were six years between us. Mm. Oh, no, maybe it was more like... Maybe it was like, 14. Yeah, 13, 14. 13, 14, when Wet Blankets were started making songs. So were you like, like this time in Geelong... Were you like taking them to shows, Brian? Or like, was it just like, were, yeah. like, so you didn't get introduced into the no, scene? No, I never went to any big shows or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember one particular day where um, they had, I don't know whether you'd had, I think you'd had a couple of jams, a couple of noise sessions. And then finally one day, I had to take a couple of years out to Dale's place. And Dale's mum was letting them set up in the, Garage. In the garage. <laughs> and we, yeah, and we took a, I think we might have taken out a bass amp and speaker. Like, I don't know that that was out there. And so we set up a few more things and then it was just an absolute school of rock moment. Like, they were all there. <laughs> just sitting there going, so I'm like, so how do we get this going? And Good then, example. It's just like, righto, Nick, just give us a rock beat. Just yeah. give us a gentle rock beat. And then. No, this is pre-Nick. This is. Who was playing the drums? Well, we'd switch around. It was like. Whoever. Dale, Mitch. This guy, Jimmy, and myself. Can you remember this day I'm talking about? Nah. Yeah, and then I started doing a, it was a rip-off of a, um, what's his name, Van Morrison? Rip off. them? Yeah, <laughs> yeah and a rip-off of a Van Morrison song, and it was just like a... Oh, Mr. Guys. And then uh, you guys coming in on the bass and the drums <laughs> and the guitar, and all of a sudden there was this, all of a sudden there's that this is actually school of look rock. on their faces going, this is it. This is rock and roll <laughs> and did not have to interfere with them too much after that. There was good time jamming in Dale's shed in Leopold. Yeah, it was, it was good times. So what was that? That wasn't Frowning Clouds. No, we had this band pre-Living Eyes called The Hideaways. Oh, sorry, yeah. The Hideaways, yeah. We were like 14. We supported Frowning Clouds like a couple times. It was like the only way we could get a show and play at a pub. Even mm. be at a pub, obviously. But yeah, that was good fun. And then that went kaput after like a year or something and we kind of like did nothing for maybe like year nine and then Living Eyes started in like year 10 maybe or year 11, like 2009. So I saw that Living Eyes had a self-release and then later that year is when you started Anti-Fade. No. Oh, maybe a self-release CD or something. What was the song oh, yeah, on Triple J? spray painted. Yeah. The song on Triple J that they discovered. Oh, yeah. Oh, in yeah, 2009, me and Mitch made this... Just a song in the bedroom. Mitch played drums and harmonica and I think I played the guitar and bass and sang it. It ended up going okay. We sent it to Triple J on Earth mm. and it made the, the top six final tracks or whatever. Next cool. minute Billy's getting interviewed at, <laughs> yeah, the at like really? 8 o'clock in the morning on Triple J. That's and, um, <laughs> we've never been too, I don't know, excited about Triple J, but it was it was really good hey, what they did. It was good. It yeah. was. It was. It's one good thing that they do like the, what was, was it called? The, I know. I remember like getting a doing an interview at like high school like it was funny. But they no but then, Triple yeah. J were decent to you. Except they if they, they wanted to um give them um right, okay, now that you've got to this stage, we're gonna um send you over to whichever big record company recording uh, yeah. dealership there was gonna be and we we're all No. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember what 
have enough of that, but that was like yeah, 2009. I don't even think we'd even played a show yet. It was just a little demo recording, just me and Mitch, and then probably started actually playing shows like end of 2010, 2011, sort of thing. This is The Living Eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, cool. Was it that experience that made you want to start a label, like put it out yourself oh, as the opposed label? to go to like a big thing? No, label totally came from, I remember it real well. I was like, I was just hanging out with Zach one night and we got a train to Melbourne and on the train ride, I just got all these ideas about doing a compilation because there's so many good bands in Geelong mm. and obviously Melbourne both had their own kind of respective scenes. And I had this idea about doing a compilation that was like half Melbourne bands, half, half Geelong bands. So that was like New Center Universe. And that came way before the label idea. And then so I was kind of like, naturally, well, I have to start a label to put out this compilation sort of thing. So I think the compilation took like a year to put together. Right, and maybe in that say. like six months, I put out like a couple of tapes of other mm. bands before the comp. But yeah, it was definitely all about the compilation. Well, one of my questions was going to be, when are you going to put out another compilation? Because mm. I feel like what are you I should, done, like, I should. It just or? takes so long to organize. Yeah. But I should. Like, I mean, it's a great comp and yeah, it's just a nice way to have like showcase something, yeah. you know. Yeah, good, like a time and a scene sort of area. Like, and yeah. do you feel like at the time you were – so did you feel like when you, like, released the first comp, it was really showing Melbourne? Geelong? Like, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And we did a big show at the Gasso to launch it. Mm. UV Race played. Mm. It was awesome. Yeah. You had a solo song on the second one, right? The third one. Yeah. On the third one, right. Yeah, yeah that I was that just like a – I don't know. I was just playing with the MIDI keyboard. I wasn't even planning on doing anything anything with that but I think Billy was like oh you should put a song for like a year and I was like yeah I'll make one up and then just gave him that one at the end that's cool <laughs> that's a great song I love that one I remember you making it it was like a real hot day and you're just sitting on the couch all day doing it yeah it'll be in the middle of summer how often do you go to um, Billy and Zane's shows do you most, go to their shows most yeah yeah dad's pretty big fan it was a real shame about Jerkfest last year I know I was, was real bummed because in 2019, I did it on, like, March 2nd, and that ended up being, like, a 40-degree day. It was a nightmare. Like, it was too hot to play. So you pushed it back but a I bit. pushed it back a couple of weeks, like, later in March, thinking mm. that it'd be a bit more safe. Yeah, I missed out by one week. Ah, uh, no, like, I think it, the last show that anything happened was March 14, and that was, like, New Order. Right. This was March 21. Mm, yeah. yeah. It fell apart that yeah. week. Yeah. yeah. So when are you announcing the next one, then? Jerkfest? Well, I started organizing one for late March again. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I kind of just put it a bit on the back burner with all, there's been a couple of COVID cases popping up lately and I was sort of like, I don't want to like book a whole jerk fest and then have to cancel it. So I'll just put it, I'll just wait a little That's bit. That's a hard one, hey. I, I don't think I'm going to be booking shows like three or four months in advance anymore. I'll just sort of book them like six to eight weeks in advance. Yeah, something. for sure. A bit more realistic. When I interviewed Jake and Rich, he was like talking about how he used to Yeah, break into in. my house. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was funny. Yeah. He said he could still do it these days. Does he actually do it? Like, well, he, he definitely did it, it at least a few times. Yeah. The song Human Zoo, it's on maybe the first, I was reading like this little tape. Yeah. It's all him while I'm at work, just at my house. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you only moved to Melbourne like three years ago. Yeah, I'm late to the scene. John mm. was so good for so long. I was kind of like, I was a bit snowy about it. Like, no, nah, I'm not moving to Melbourne. No way. Well, and then all my friends from Geelong moved to Melbourne. I was like, this sucks now. <laughs> so what is like what is the Mel- what is the Geelong scene now at the moment? Like is there just It's not just a way younger generation. Up? I feel old yeah. down there now. <laughs> oh, but there's nothing wrong with that. Obviously like bands like Vintage Crop Rule. It's yeah. just like a few years younger than you know, me and my, my friends and bands and stuff. Like we're obviously very tight. Like it doesn't feel like um much of an age difference, but maybe when I go to a show I feel the age difference. Yeah. There's one venue. 
there's one yeah, venue. It hasn't it's been always club. the same as that, but yeah. at the moment there's only one venue. But yeah, yeah it's kind of all changed. Like, yeah. well, it's the same with Melbourne. Like, I mean, yeah, not changed in a bad way, but it's just different. Pretty much when Orb moved to Melbourne, I was like, all right, this is like a, a big chunk of my friends gone now. Yeah, need to follow them. Oh yeah. So how did you start playing music? Or well, like you started playing with Billy? Yeah. I remember it was, like, a really hot summer. We had neighbours that, like, went away for the summer. We were just, like, swimming in their pool every day. Oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then we'd, like, like in between swims, we'd just jam. Mitch yeah. was coming over all the time. He's pretty much, like, living in our house. It's pretty and good. That's kind of just how, like, Wet Blanket started. It's just, like, I think maybe it was over the, peri- like, Christmas period where you had a couple of weeks off. We just kind of jammed and wrote a couple of songs. And yeah. Yeah, just decided to start a band. I think we played that... Pan Studio show when I was yeah, like yeah. 15 or 16, which would have been six months after that or something. Wait, so is Wet Blanket planning on playing Jerkfest coming up or? Oh, uh, we haven't talked about it, but it'd be keen. Yeah, maybe. What do you reckon, Wayne? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, we had like two jams and it sounded real sick. It was a moment that we didn't. We, we couldn't. We did first show since I was like 17 or something. Yeah. So Serial Killer was after Wet Blanket. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes where it's just like yeah, you can't do anything forever. Yeah, yeah. But then you also both play in Vertigo as well, right? Yeah, that was meant to be like I was meeting went away for like a huge tour, like six or seven weeks, and Zane and Troy, who both play in Serial Killer, were like, okay, let's start a band while Billy's gone. And then by the time I got back, they still hadn't found a drummer. He's like, nice try. Yeah, I remember coming back and I was still jet lagged and having a jam with Zane 
trying to play drums, like half asleep. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Was well, Oz Mutants in the States at that point? We were in Europe at that point. It was yeah. a huge, it was definitely the biggest tour I've ever done. Like seven weeks away, it was pretty long. So what was the first tour you guys went on together? Was it Japan? Uh, no, it would have been that Europe tour in 2017. Yeah, 11 hours went to Europe in 2017. Right. Mm. I think I finished year 12, like two weeks before. Yeah, <laughs> that was his school. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, About two days one. after we finished school, he flew <laughs> to Europe. Because we left at like the end of November and came, came back on the two days before Christmas or something. Yeah. So it was pretty, yeah, pretty yeah, time for schoolies. Yeah, I think we had to book my flights around the exams. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 Right after. But yeah, that was a good time. But yeah, yeah Japan was, was the best a fun tour. Out of all the places I've been to, if I could go back to it, it would definitely be Japan. I would love to go to mm. Japan. Yeah. What's the biggest tour you've done, Grant? Um, Sydney. We were talking <laughs> about the period before when I sort of thought, actually, we had a, um, a European tour booked mm. and we we're all ready to go and there was just a heap of shit going on amongst the band. There was, I don't know, I wouldn't even start to talk about it all. But um, there was some monumental shit going on. There yeah. really was. We sort of... We weren't really f- that friendly for various reasons. Like, it doesn't take much. But, um, yeah, I was just, like, not nah, good. There was a guy that, a, a great guy that came and replaced me and I was very happy with him and he, he must have gone it over with me about half a dozen times going, I am, I, you sure? This is all right and I'm going, Tim, <laughs> yeah. Tim, it is absolutely all right, mate. Yeah, you yeah. Made for like you're doing me I was very happy with it. Yeah, it's a shame that it, happened like it didn't, it did. it, well, it didn't eventuate. But, well, it, it did for them, but, yeah, yeah I probably... I was glad to not be there. Yeah, yeah Tim wrote a really good tour diary on that on that first tour. Uh, was that in like a zine or something? I think I read it on the internet, but it was really good. And because I know I had like been, a really it probably would have been. Yeah. Yeah. he wrote a continuous email oh. every night. He did. He keep on adding to it. Yeah. yeah, I think there was like a zine called like Resistant Harmony or something. Right. And, like, I had a copy and it says, like, board to a diary in it. i got to mm. dig it up. In, like, 1990 or something? Yeah. Well, yeah. it's some, some it 90s been, something. 91 maybe, yeah. 91. I think it but might yeah, be the like, one. It's cool, like, him talking about playing venues like Vera and then mm. we went there and played there too. Like, yeah, such they a good the poster venue. on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, in, in, in Vera in Groningen, yeah. Netherlands. All right. But walking around that place is, like, a, a museum. It's, just, like, posters of all these bands that played there. Yeah, it is crazy. Fred and... Tootie played there like 80 times or something. That's cool. Yeah, something crazy. Yeah, like between having... all their different bands. Definitely favorite venue. Yeah, they got a big Joy Division poster that's like real famous photo. It's hung right where it's taken. Yeah. All right. It's so cool. The sound that you did with Antifade came to Melbourne before you did, you know? Yeah. yeah. Although I feel like Antifade has kind of been really up and down, like, Started at, the, started at the end of 2011, but didn't really do that much until 2012. In 2012 and 13, we're pretty busy. And then maybe in like 2014, it kind of like, I don't know, it just sort of fizzled out. Like it didn't stop, but yeah. it would do way less. Like 2014, well, 15, 16 sort of thing. And then maybe picked up again at the end of 2017. And then 2018, 19, 20, I mean, you know, pretty jam-packed. Do you feel a pressure to keep it at that level now that... Yeah, and it kind of bummed me out when it dropped off and like, Mm. I didn't. I just noticed that I wasn't like getting up to do stuff for mm. it, and I don't know. I wasn't spending time on it, and it did bum me out for a few years. And it was, felt really good and healthy to get back into it and like have things to do for it. But have you ever heard that Geelong has been referred to as like the Detroit of the Stra- of Yeah, Detroit. 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 Detroit do you know how that came around, or is it just because? It's because something to do with board. Like I mean, Detroit had that 
you know, the gories and thank God Geelong isn't like to. <laughs> I know. We've got a Ford factory, but um, <laughs> yeah, we'd have no. Like a couple of yeah. years ago, the whole city just like declared bankruptcy. More so because everyone in Geelong just loves the MC5 and, and the students. Mm. Yeah. yeah, just yeah, it's like massive Detroit influence for Geelong. Yeah, sure, that kind of like that heavy or like hard. I don't know. What's the word? Detroit Rock. sound, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Seminole Rats. The sound yeah. of rats. Is Seminole that Rats. They uh, Seminole they've rats. got that deep Detroit sound. We met them very early on, and they started coming down to Geelong. They couldn't get enough of Geelong. They loved Were they it. From Melbourne, or? yeah. We met them at the Prince of Wales. I feel like in you bringing anti fade to Melbourne, there was like some bands like UV Race and that had that sort of garage sound. But I feel like you brought like a real wave over Melbourne with that sound. Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said before, like, and that's kind of like. Goes back to all the Brandon Clouds crew. They kind of started it all. Yeah. I was just put my hand up to be like, hey, I'll put this stuff out. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they were like the biggest influence on everything. I went to school and I met Zach and Daff. I was like, who are these guys? Yeah. <laughs> and then met the rest of them all. That was a huge turning point. I met Jake in like 2009. Him and Zach were like internet buddies and they'd mm. come down and hang out. Totally just kind of hit it off straight away. It seemed like sort of natural. And then, yeah, Frank Clyde's bass player left. So I think oh, Jake was like the first person they offered the slot to. And Jake was like, yeah, I don't have anything else going on. I'll be down. There's such a web of who's been in what band yeah, at yeah. what time that I forget. Can you name a couple of your favourite releases from the last 10 years? Maybe like one from Geelong and one from Melbourne, but none off your label. Yeah. Um, I reckon Homo is so up there. It's yeah. It's very seldom. That's huge. Dad still prefers the one after, racism. <laughs> we still argue. I think uh, I prefer Homo. Geelong, though, let me think. Just the first Friend and Clouds album, I guess. That was on Saturno. It would be like 2009 or 10, I think. That was pretty, just all the Planet early releases. How many times have you seen the UV Race, seeing as they're one of your favourite bands? Oh, only half a dozen times. Yeah. Only when they come to Geelong. Come to Geelong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, they've been, I, I like them a lot. There was a real good gig in Geelong in 2011. It was UV Race, Total Control, Herefits and Living Eyes. Definitely one to remember. And the original band promo was a photo started. Gary Ablett. Yeah, Gary Ablett's <laughs> family. Made by this thing, And it's on Zane's bedroom at my joint. It's still yeah. on the wall. And it was very funny actually because after a jerk fest, Mikey came with his lady and stayed in that bedroom and the first thing he said in the morning was, that's gold. I haven't seen that for years. That oh, yeah. yeah, the the thing on the on the I wanna the see gig. this. That was a good night. What about you, Zane? Favorite release? Mm. I don't know. That first orb team. Hey Rich said that. That's too. what Rich yeah. said. I'm trying to think of like the Melbourne albums that I put on a lot. Yeah. Over the last ten years. So I listen to that J Mac album a lot. Like I, I mean know. Rush to Relax is always good. I don't know if that's 10 years. Maybe just. I feel like I might, yeah. I should have even mentioned the first Herefins album. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That was like pretty early for how different, I don't know, they were kind of like doing something kind of different to what anyone in Geelong had done before. But that's Annie Fate. No, that's art. Well, Annie Fate did. Wasn't it like your third, like your, but it was like your third release or something? Like you did a Herefins something? Yeah, the second release was Herefins Cobweb Split. Yeah. But yeah, first Herefins album was kind of like them doing a new sound that Geelong hadn't really done before. And mm. I, looking back, I feel like it was pretty early. I know, like other people followed, but like years later. Yeah, and yeah. This was, I don't know when they recorded it, maybe like 2014 or something. It was pretty early. How did, um? because isn't your first official release like the Bonnie Wells or yeah. something? How did, like, I don't know much about the Bonnie Wells. Uh, yeah, it was this, this cassette. I remember they wanted to have like 
the idea was the cover would have like two little jiggly eyes, like you know those eyes that move around, and they'd stick to the piece of paper that was the cover. Yeah. But then when we tried to close the cassette, <laughs> it didn't close. <laughs> Just like shatters the case. <laughs> so shatters the cassette. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was the first release, end of 2011. You've all been involved in the music scene for a while. You've seen things change between even between like Geelong and Melbourne and um, like the different phases of different sorts of punk or whatever. After this last year, what would you have to say about 2021 in terms of music? Uh, I don't know. I've been saying this to a lot of people recently, but I feel like we haven't really... 2020 had so much good music because... It was like, I feel like a, a release generally takes like six to 12 months to come out. So like yeah. 2020 was kind of like fueled with all these things that were recorded before COVID and people mm. were just like finishing off mixing or That's overdubs, yeah. which you can do in COVID. But I feel like this year is going to be like, all right, nothing got recorded last year. Mm. So it's going to like take a while. Like or it's, a lot of bands that would generally have a record, like be finishing one or working on one at least at the moment, sort of haven't been able to because you can't even jam. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's a good point. Mm. I'm sure there'll still be plenty of good stuff. Just be maybe a little bit of a slow start. I definitely. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I could not tell you. I'm eager to find out myself. It is like I mean I feel like after COVID, the thing that we've learned is you can't make any predictions about anything. You know, yeah, it's like even like, if. Yeah. And I, I but I feel like that like that's something that we've seen in music a lot anyway. It's like things get trendy that you never thought was going to blow up, you know, or something that you think is, like, so amazing no one cares about, you know. I feel like this year might be the year of, like, bedroom projects coming. Well, yeah, yeah, coming yeah, sure. <laughs> After last Solo year. Tapes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like even just the end of last year kind of saw a lot of that. What have you been listening to lately, Grant? We were just talking to the car on the way here. Billy gave me the Blake Scott solo album. What's that? And I told him that he's from Pete Temple. Christmas Christmas ah. but yeah, last night I played it four times, just one side, just kept on playing it. So <laughs> four times. That must be a good sign. I never really do that. It's good. Yeah, uh, Billy was pretty funny one night. We were having a chat on the phone. Like we, were all, we always stay in touch, us three. And um, one weekend I was chatting to him and he said, what did you describe it? I better send you a... Something like a happiness package. Oh, a care package. It? <laughs> a care package. <laughs> I, I actually said I've got to get. You must have. I've got drugs. to get the the smarts record because I've been hearing it on the radio and yeah, uh, yeah. the first time I would have heard those songs a number of times before they'd even got near a record press. But I hadn't really heard them. I didn't yeah. really know what he was doing. So then I heard it on the radio and I was going, oh, I can't wait to get the album. And he said, Oh, I'll send you a. A care package, and it was three records. <laughs> yeah, I've been flogging them, but yeah, I'm I'm spoiled rotten. What yeah. were the three? Smarts from the boys up the road. Vintage crop, vintage crop, <laughs> and um, what was that one? Jakey. Yeah, Jake's Jake's album. Yeah, so yeah, I've been playing them all. His sons are keeping you up to date with all the cream of the crop oh, Australian underground music. That's very good. They've returned it all in spades. Yeah. I used to bribe them with whether they had any choice or not years ago. <laughs> <laughs> whether they were two years old or 12 years old. But, yeah, it's great to hear. I'm, I'm into most of their stuff. I, it's timeless. There's very rarely anything I, I really don't like. So, yes, I don't struggle with it. Well, the whole family, even mine, a couple of the... The sisters that probably wouldn't have, you would be surprised if they're listening to this stuff. But, yeah, they're some of Billy's and Zane's biggest fans. 
Yeah, Dad's got a lovely bunch of siblings. No, I'll, t- I'll, just go, I'll throw one thing in. We, we had a, um, a big birthday party for my younger brother a couple of years back and um, the whole, it was just pretty much the whole family with a few close friends but the living eyes came down and did a full, <laughs> like I think there, was there three sets? No, there's two. One, a, a team set to the family and then a bit more of a, but yeah, a it was, set leader. It's such a tragedy that we didn't film it. It was really it was, yeah, my mum was actually sitting there the whole time. Like I've always said to the kids at an early age, keep time with that foot, keep time with that foot. It's just like your heartbeat it keeps you going. Yeah. One fall at a time. My mum was sitting there the whole time, foot going, head rocking. <laughs> she loved it. Sounds she like she was the it. one that should have been a drummer in the family. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, it was <laughs> great. Love they, to see that. Yeah, they really enjoyed it. It was a great night. Yeah, yeah we, great night. My uncle, my uncle's mate. His name's Chunga. <laughs> Got up and sang a few songs with us. I think he did like no fun. I don't want to give you anything. It, it was so good. He, he actually fronts a band in Tassie called The Rubes. Cool. They're, like they're pretty respected. He's he got knows history. what he's doing. Yeah, he's yeah. got res- yeah, he's got credibility. Yeah, he was the life of the party. Was yeah. this an impromptu like getting up and? It was singing? one of those things we sort of knew was, was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, he said he, he didn't want to do it initially. And then how many beers did you put in him to get him up there? Well, yeah. he <laughs> was still not going to do it, and then suddenly. Just burst on the Yeah, stage. I think he was wearing a denim vest with no shirt underneath. I think that's all he brought over from Tassie. Yeah, it was really fun. Family highlight, absolutely. We, we did kick out yeah. the jams with him, that was good. There was a couple, wasn't there? Yeah, kick out the jams, no fun. I can only give you everything, I think. Classics. Yeah, that's what you really need. I remember Nana's dance in a personality crisis with you. <laughs> <laughs> and there's some. there's a neighbour that's, he's, He's pretty credible to the rock and roll stakes, old Red, and um, had a big history of, like, he's travelled the world mm. playing music and he couldn't believe it. So about a month after the, like, every time I saw him, he just went, I just can't believe that family birthday he had. <laughs> so finally saw him, saw him down there and he goes, someone said that it was his birthday coming up and it was a big birthday for him too. And um, I said, so what, you got your birthday line up? And he goes... Can you talk to Billy and see if the living eyes can play? <laughs> That's just an ass family thing, but yeah. yeah. Well, thanks for coming in. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, no, thanks a lot. I'm really it's been looking a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed the conversation I had with Grant Billy and Zane Gardner on their lives involved in the Geelong and Melbourne underground music scene throughout the years. Keep an eye out for that book on board Grant was talking about at the start. It will be an essential piece of literature for Geelong rock and roll history. Contact me via litmus.media and stay tuned for more episodes of the Modern Australian Underground.
Litmus Media. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.